back to the Habs Puck Drop podcast. This is going to be our 10% into the season review, and boy, is this not going to be a good one. So let's just jump right in here. We're 10 games into the season. Um, you know, We're only going to count the, the first 10% of games. So let's break it down here first, just so everyone's kind of on the same page. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, what do you want to start? Just the games themselves? Yeah, just list the games that we're actually talking about, because you can't really uh, take 10% of 82 games. Right, so for for this one, we're basically, you know, we're going to check in every eight games as of now, but uh, for the first one, we just took the first 10 games, and so it's going to round off to basically, like, eight going forward. So the games we're talking about here are, you know, obviously... Uh, season opener against Toronto, then we played Buffalo, then we played the Rangers, then we played the Sharks, Hurricanes, Detroit, Seattle, um, back to the Sharks, then the Kings, and then finally the Anaheim Ducks. So, so yeah, basically the entire month of October, essentially. And so, I mean, I'll, we'll just start right here. Um, October 13th, opening game, we lost 2-1 to one to Toronto. Um, Druin scored from Anderson and Kulak. Jake Allen was, uh, you know, 28 saves on 30 shots and was a 9.33. It was one of those games where it was like, ah, you know, bittersweet. You know, they played well. They got to get the scoring going, got the rust off. Here we go. Yeah, I specifically remember, like, watching that game and being like, oh, this is how it was last season. Yeah, and, like, not just, just no feeling of worry being, you know, almost... You know, it's we exactly missing, how we opened last season. Yeah, and we, we, lost, were also, we barely lost to Toronto January fifteenth, and then that's it. And we and we also you know we were missing a bunch of key guys, so we were just willing to you know take the moral win of Drew and scoring and move forward. Then comes the five one loss to the Buffalo Sabers, who is you know they were supposed to be the worst team in the NHL by far, especially with the environment that's going on there with Jack Eichel. Um, you know tension between management and coaching. Uh, tension between management and the players, tension between coaching and the players. <laughs> Every single iteration you can possibly imagine going wrong in Buffalo is going the wrong. Fans. <laughs> uh, fans, non-existent fans. Um, you know, but we managed to lose that 5-1. Um, really not a good game. The only person who got on the board was, you know, Chris Weidman. Um, we're like, you know, we haven't seen much of him lately, which is yeah, kind of, you know, exactly. begs the question what's going on there. Which um, uh, I'll remind myself with the Anaheim <laughs> game that you said that. Yeah, but, and then, uh, you know, Sammy Motambo came in there and just absolutely uh, blew us away with his goaltending. <laughs> yeah, he was 31 saves on 36 shots, 861 against just, the Buffalo Sabres. You know, 861 for that game was not, like, 861 is kind of overshooting how he played. He yeah. played so poorly that game, I could have sworn he was, like, a 600. Well, that, like, that's the thing, the is he got his 861 allowed. from getting the puck floated at him every now and then. Yeah, the goals he allowed were, like, absolutely unacceptable. Like, I... You know, I'm not going to blame goaltending there because, again, like I said this a thousand times, if they scored twice, we would have lost. We couldn't get on the board again. Um, and, you know, by this time, it was, like, a little worrisome because, you know, Druin, you know, phenomenal player this year. He's really, really hustling. Um, but, you know, he's not the guy you expect the goals from, right? So we get a goal from him in Toronto, and then Chris Weidman gets on the board. And then, you know, by the end of the Buffalo game, I'm like, where are guys who are supposed to be scoring here? Like, where are yeah. the Caulfields? Where are the Toffoli's? Where are the Gallagher's? Where are the Hoffman's? I mean, Hoffman wasn't playing at this point, but you had the idea of, like, it was, a, it was a strange feeling of, one, we're not scoring, but two, the people who should be scoring aren't scoring. Yeah, and for those of us who, you know, enjoy a good book, that's called foreshadowing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, going into October 16th, the Habs lose again 3-1 to one to the New York Rangers. Uh, Druin would get on the board to assists from uh, Dvorak and Kulak. 
Um, so this also puts, I just want to, you know, highlight this. Kulak's got two points in three games. Druin's got two goals in three games at this point. Oh, we, we forgot to say the assists from uh, Weidman's goal the game before. Oh, yeah. It was Armia and Perot. Um, but yeah, jumping back to the New York game, uh, Jake Allen was a 9-13, 21 saves on 23 shots, another 3-1 loss, and basically at this point, there was no, like, there was no feeling of panic for me, but there was this, you know, we gotta wake up a little, I remember talking about it and saying that I feel like we're kind of still riding the high of, uh, you know, making it to the cup final. Yeah, I think that's pretty much consensus, and you know, just to bring up the Kulak thing again that you mentioned... You know, I love Brett Kulak. I'm happy that he's, you know, he. you can tell he's really settled into his role and he's going to be a staple with the Montreal Canadiens, I think, for a good little while. But, again, like, he's not the guy I want to see blowing up this season. Like, I, I need points and goals from our guys that are supposed to be getting points and goals who are making the big bucks. And, um, you know, you just we hadn't seen it so far. So, you know, jumping into the October 19th game, when you thought things could not possibly get worse, I thought, you know, I think even if you go back to the October 16th podcast, you probably heard me saying, you know what, they're going to piss me off because they're going to be 0-3, then we're going to go to San Jose, everyone's going to score, we're going to win 7 nothing, and then we're going to go back and do a lull. But I was wrong, we still lost 5 nothing. nobody scored. Absolutely brutal game. Um, you know, Jake Allen, you know, not a great game, you know, 20, 20 saves on 25 shots, again, 5 nothing. he was an 800, but it we go back to the same theme early on in this season. It's like, you know, if they scored one goal, we would not have won the game. And it's, yeah. it's you know, it's hard to put blame on goaltending, which, like, I'm going to touch on that with Dom Ducharme for everyone who heard his uh, post-game interview uh, after Halloween. But um, putting blame on goaltending right now for our for our troubles is, is really, really, um, you know, almost immature at this point. Um, we'll get into the actual, you know, goals this uh, 10% of the season we have. But, you know, it's really clear what the issue is but yeah let's move on to um october 21st which was the game rob and i attended uh it was against carolina and caught kenyemi coming back uh once glimmer again, of hope yeah honestly glimmer of hope because of how they played but still lost four to one to carolina uh two big things happened one gallagher scored and the goal was disallowed so that was at least you know we thought he was going to get back on the board yeah. but then Tafoli scored specifically on the power play from druin and suzuki so all of a sudden you know you're seeing names like Tafoli, you're seeing suzuki you're seeing gallagher we're like all right here we go over the hump you know jake allen not a terrible game 29 for 32 and a 906 like basically where you expect him to end up every night and so you know, it was a loss, but, um, you know, just having been at the game, Rob and I can definitely say they looked different. Yeah, they had energy, and they looked kind of like, you know, Vegas-esque, where, like, you know, you could tell they were tired, and, you know, in this in this uh, particular scenario, you're like, what for? I mean, like, you know, we just started the season, but mm. they looked like Vegas, where, you know, they came kind of came off on a slow start, and then slowly built their steam back up, and by, you know... Uh, the October 21st game, it looked like we were forechecking. You know, I really noticed our, our depth guys really, really taking punches on the boards and, and winning puck battles, um, which we didn't see early on in the season. You know, early on in the season, so many times we're, we're along the boards, you know, against Buffalo, against the Rangers, even against San Jose, where we're losing puck battles where we have two guys on one. It's like we're on the boards with, with you know, you know Anderson and... and you know, you name a center, and we're losing puck battles against yeah. their defensemen. It's, it's absolutely embarrassing. And like, you know, against Carolina, you know, probably with the return of Kotkaniemi, 
um, you know, kind of gave him a bit of a spark, but this was one of those games where, um, you know, this is a game where, you know, sometimes things just don't go your way. I, I don't like thinking about hockey that way, but, you know, that stuff does happen. It, it was just unfortunate that we had lost the last four. So. That's it. It was, there, there seemed to be a turning point, and then in order to really, you know, mask that, when we came back October 23rd and played against Detroit, we got our first win of the year, and we did it, you know, big. We won 6-1 against Detroit. Um, we had a goal from Sherratt, assisted by Druin and Savard. Then Hoffman scores his first goal. See, like, the again, there. I'm just going to stop you there. Great for Ben Sherratt. Like, where are our guys? Exactly. You know what I mean? like, exactly. That's what I was thinking during that goal. Well, that, that's 100% it. And, yeah, so Hoffman from Niku and Dvorak on the power play. Then Dvorak from Niku and Druin. And then, for some reason, Perot... <laughs> He must have had something in his juice that day because he gets an unassisted goal. Then he gets another goal from Caulfield and Toffoli, and then he gets the empty netter from Sherrod. Uh, and again, get... like that's what I mean. It's like you know, I'm I'm great. I'm glad our depth guys are scoring, but like yeah. I, that's not the guy who I I need. Scoring well, that that's because it. I know it's a fluke. Like I know this won't happen again this year. Well, that's it, and it was it was misleading too because the assists coming were those names. Druin got a couple. Dvorak got a couple. Caulfield was on the board. Toffoli was on the board, so there was this kind of, um, you know, almost false sense of hope that it's like, okay, now the points will start rolling through. You know, Jake Allen was a 963, 26 for 27, and th this really we thought was like, all right, you know, they shook off the four, uh, sorry, even the, uh, the five first games, and basically now we're going to see them kind of make up for that, but uh, no. Because no. Uh, yeah, we go, we go yeah. to the west. We take our, our road trip out, out west, and we you know, play uh, first time the Montreal Canadiens playing a Seattle Kraken franchise who was 5-1. Uh, just absolutely brutal, okay? Like, that. do you remember that game? Um, in bits and pieces. Yeah, so let's go over the, the, the scoring, and then I just want to mention Yeah, something. Mike Hoffman scores back-to-back -back nights. Goals uh, assisted from Gallagher and uh, Suzuki. And then Allen goes 21 for 26. He's an 808. Um I do remember like like feelings from this game that are the problem is, is I think we didn't record a podcast. No, that's we why didn't. I, I wanted to hover on it. That's it. I'm saying the reason why I have a hard time remembering some of these games is it's been the same, the same exact yeah. game for it, ten games. This now. game was probably the oh god Anaheim was close, but this game might have been the worst game I think I've seen the Montreal Canadiens play in like recent memory. Like I I, I think. The only game that has come up close to that is our 8 nothing loss to Detroit a few years ago. Yeah. Um, but God. this and the San Jose game on October 19th has been like the elite, the lowest effort from the Montreal Canadiens I think I've ever seen. This game specifically, the 5-1, was an absolutely abysmal offensive effort. Defensively, we weren't bad. I actually remember looking at that game and being like, yeah, you know what? David Savard, maybe this is where his turning point is. I haven't been liking Savard or Romanov's play. Uh, as of late, and that that you know that streak's definitely continuing in, uh, into Halloween here. But I remember specifically at this point, I remember David Savard. I saw some big checks and I saw some big puff battles in the corners, and I was like, you know what? This is what we 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 uh, took this guy for. And uh, I remember Romanov specifically too. I remember texting you and being like, there we go. He's not acting like a buffoon anymore. Yeah. And then um, you know we just could not get on the board. Like we had we had. Um, very little dangerous shots, and um, you know we were really just getting roughed up by Seattle, which I you know I guess is their kind of play, but um, 
we're missing those guys like Weber and Edmondson that can actually stick up for our guys because you can tell that like Sherrod is just muzzled with with the cross-checking rule. Well, that, that's it. And also, Sherrod has just had an abysmal time this taking goes, penalties. This goes into our penalties, too. I mean, yeah. like, all the penalties we're taking are at the other end of the ice, and they're not good penalties. These aren't roughing penalties. These aren't cross-checking penalties. These aren't penalties that are, you know, in front of our net taking away a slot oh, chance. They're hopes these are and holds. Trips. These are holds behind the, the opposing team's net. These yeah. are trips... Uh, in the neutral zone. Like, these are good penalties. Like, these are terrible penalties. Yeah. So, I mean, th- this kind of... I mean, I just want to pause for one second here. Um, every single time we've lost, we've scored zero or one goals at this point in the season. And the one game we had six goals is misleading. So, for me, uh, like, the the goaltending is, is... I mean, the problem is right now, it's not only just we're not scoring. Because, like you said, if they scored two goals against us, we would have lost. However, we let in five, then three, then five. Or the first game, we let in two. But five, then three, then five, then four, then one, then five. Yeah, and this, I mean, I, and we I, can't let in that many goals every single game. No, we can't. And there is something to be said, definitely, about this not being like a one-to-one relationship. I mean, like it's much easier to kind of rally the team on the bench if you're down one nothing against the San Jose Sharks versus if you're down 5 nothing, right? So, like, it's not like... This stuff just happens in vacuum. That being said, um, you know, when it is zero or one goals, I mean, there's only so much you can criticize. You know, you, you have to turn over the big stones here, and, like, the big stones are clearly the, the, the offensive uh, side of things. Um, you know, and especially, you know, you look at goaltending, but first you have to get through the layer of terrible defense, specifically terrible blue line defense. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the back checking that we've seen because that's kind of more reflective on our penalty kill. Yeah. Um, but our blue line defense is just absolutely just atrocious right now and it's lacking leadership. And uh, now with the um, you know foreshadowing to the, to the injury of Jeff Petrie, I really, really don't know what they're going to do there. Yeah. I mean, going to the 28th, we won 4-1 against San Jose. Hoffman scores his third goal in three games, assist from Kulak and Suzuki. Was it four nothing or four one? It was four nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Did I say four one? Yeah. Um then Romanov gets a goal, uh first one of the year from Druin. Gallagher finally gets on the board for the first time from Suzuki and Anderson on the power play. And then Anderson puts an empty netter in for his first of the year, actually. Uh from Tofoli and Savard. And then, like I said, shutout. So Jake Allen, Allen forty-five for forty-five. Best game of his life. Well, yeah, that that's a career year. I mean, that puts him. I think it was something like third all-time in Canadian history for yeah. shutouts. I think the only, uh, I think the only other performance I've seen like that was actually live when I saw the uh, the absolute brick wall of Anti Niemi <laughs> on his fifty-eight shutout or something yeah. like that against Florida. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, it that's. Like, uh, that's the thing. It it's... reminded me of that performance. I mean, Allen's much more talented than Anthony. I mean, obviously, but I'm just saying, like, there was so many plays where he just absolutely stood on his head. I think, you know, reflecting on that game, because it was recent, so I have it kind of still in my, uh, you know, in the forefront of my brain, my brain here, but the that was a good game for us. I think, realistically, that was like a 4-2 win, but Allen, um, you know, saved kind of in, you know, in... in stood in, on his head. He stood on his head, and, and you know, sort of like... Most recent games too. I think we allowed probably like you know four two on ones, maybe a, a yeah. few breakaways. Uh, just not good blue line defense again. But Allen really pulled through. Yeah. Then uh, the next night, another let's say uh, milestone night because we go to L.A. We play Phil Dano. Um, we lose five to two. 
So Anderson scores from Romanov and Dvorak, and then again, Sherratt scores from Anderson and Suzuki. Allen goes 33 for 38, 868. And again, it goes back to what you're saying. Like, you know, now Anderson has two goals back-to-back, so maybe he's getting started, but Sherratt's getting on the board again. And it's like, where's Caulfield? Where's Gallagher? Where's Toffoli? Like, where's the... Not even just where are they, because I know they've scored, but where where are they in terms of consistency? Like, where is Suzuki on the power play? Where is... Um, you know, Dvorak got one earlier in the season, but, like, where is he? Where is... Everyone, yeah, basically. And the, the reason why that bugs me so much is because, you know, there's always going to be lulls and stuff, but the problem is is that this sort of production isn't consistent. Like, we no. can't expect these guys to keep doing this. Sorry, and, and, like, and as a matter of fact, at this point, where's Petrie? Yeah, where's... Well, yeah, I mean, at, at this point, I mean, like... I just... That's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's, I think we have so, so many tools now that we forget that Jeff Petrie is basically an offensive defenseman. Yeah, he's an offensive defenseman, and he's... You know, he, we'll, we'll see a point from him on Halloween, but, you know, besides that, I mean, like, you know, he's not particularly gifted defensively. Like, I, I wouldn't say, you know, he's you know exactly Drew Doughty, but he's not... You know, he's definitely not a liability out there, but he's it's definitely not a strong student. It's not what we pay him for. Right. But the issue is, is... You know, when you get that amount of ice time, like, I need you to, you know, generate something. And I think a lot of the strife we've seen on our penalty, on our power play, is reflected in Jeff Petrie's point total. Because, like, when he's working the point there, that's usually where he picks up his secondary assists or his primary assists. But, um, yeah, so let's jump into... So, Philip... Oh, let's just touch on the Philip Deneau thing. Um, definitely noticed his defensive play there. I think yeah. Philip Deneau playing with these guys for this long. Um, you know, he had a phenomenal night against us. I mean, like... Um, really, really muzzled our power play, which um, was already very fragile. Um, and you, you know, when you're playing Philip Deno, you you do kind of notice the face-off thing. I th- you know, I think he, I think they were saying, um, I think Dan Robertson was saying today actually on six ninety that I think Philip Deno that night lost one face-off. Yeah, and I think it was the opening one. Yeah, and it was the opening one. So I, you know, I, it was one or two face-offs. So you know, he he definitely had a good night, but. Um, Definitely miss him right now, but yeah, let's jump into Halloween. So, when you thought it couldn't get much worse, you know, confidence all time low. You you don't want to lose those games against players that you just lost. You know, what I mean, like yeah. you kind of want to show them that, like you know, the grass wasn't greener on the other side. But so far, we have Kotkaniemi, uh, and then Deno a Deno uh, loss. So far, we bumped into all of our exes, and they're living their best yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. So, so. <laughs> um, you know, and then going into Anaheim, four um, two loss. A lot to say about this game. Um, not only you know did we lose the game, obviously, but um, here, we'll jump in the stats first. We have another goal from Hoffman, so on the power play. So you know, at le- you know, at least he's doing what he's he's kind of designed to be there yeah, for. Yeah, he's making so, his money. Yeah, so we got um, assists from Druin um, and Weidman. And Weidman. That's exactly what I yeah. wanted to just mention before we continue. Chris Weidman has been benched at this point for a few games. He had a goal in the second game of the season. Gets benched for a while. Comes back. Gets a power play point. This guy needs to stay with the Montreal Canadiens. Well, especially when, we, you know, we don't particularly have a strong decor right now. I mean, Weber, obviously, is basically not playing again. Uh, Petrie's injured now. Edmondson's injured. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Why Why are we so dedicated to Alexander Romanov and his, his you know, lack of development when we give him these this amount of ice time? Um, especially when the team's doing this badly. I mean, like, let's try to develop this kid a bit and, and, and let him play minutes in, in a kind of like a winning environment because this takes a toll on him. And, you know, definitely in a Montreal Canadiens um, hockey environment with our, with our fan base, like, we have to be a little bit, um, 
you know, careful with how this influences uh, his psychological development. Um, you know, we kind of saw that with Cole Caulfield recently. Um, but then, yeah, Jake Evans gets a goal um, from Petrie finally in Lekkonen. Petrie's first point. So Petrie's first point in eight games. This continues. I'm not going to touch on the other games, but, you know, we're 10 games in and, um, you know, one point for Jeff Petrie. So we know we know Petrie at this in this game, um, in the Anaheim Ducks game. We know that Gallagher and Petrie were both uh, dealing with an injury. I think they're both lower body injuries. Yeah, they were game but time decisions. As the well. issue was though is that one of them had to play. So like we're in California now, so we're traveling. We didn't bring a lot of players with us. No. Uh, we can't pull someone up from the AHL and get them here on time. Um, so that basically, I, I guess what coaching staff did was like, you know, which one of you guys is in, is in more pain? I, you know, at least offensively, there was, you know, a way to you know play eleven forwards with Gallagher out, but there was no way Petrie could play that game. So he had to play, but you know, he got he got on the board with an injury. So at this point, I would have had Samuel Montembo play right wing. Yeah, he cannot play goalie. No, he's he's terrible. just not a goalie. And again, like an eight eighty, I find just doesn't do it justice. No. Like he he played so poorly. He and needs like, to go to Laval, just back up Primo, just be someone who could be an extra. You guy. know, and and this was the game that I was kind of alluding to when we were starting the podcast was where you know post game Dom Ducharme, you know, essentially when he was asked about the loss, um, literally blamed goaltending on the, on the on the penalty kill, and I was like. You're gonna blame your third string goalie before a loss. Like I, you know, I agree the guy is absolute horseshit right now. But, but he could be better if he had a team in front of him. Yeah, I mean, like the defense is shit. The offense is shit. Like let's not start yeah. blaming Sammy Montembo. I mean, well, like, the reason the we're losing is not Samuel Montembo. Well, I mean, no, even exactly. if it was, that's two games. But but that's it. And the big thing with Ducharme that I I do want to talk about is um. Well, for one thing, he I feel like he feels the heat a little bit. Um, I think he's probably on his way out, and he knows it. You know, um, a big thing is when you start seeing the, I don't know, the, there's a confidence to coaches, especially in the NHL, I've noticed, and GMs as well, that I take Kyle Dubas, for example. He knows his job was on the line, but what he did is he took ownership of it, and he blamed himself. He said, I built this team, blah, 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 blah. You know, he says it every single year. Um, the minute you start pushing blame, that's when you kind of know the person's panicked and doesn't really have a plan. Yeah. And so, it, yeah. Ducharme turning around and being like, you know, singling someone out like that, that's not a coach putting, you know, uh, pressure makes diamonds kind of thing. That's really him telling the media, just basically, you know, leave me alone, I'm doing my best. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we've mentioned it a few times on the podcast. At this point in his coaching tenure with the Canadians, he has, well, now a worse record than Claude Julien, but on top of it, he's scoring less goals and he's allowing more goals and more shots. So with more tools, that's we have the a thing. huge roster. Well, that, that's it. We like, have a very deep forward core, and we're supposed to have a strong defensive core. I'm leaving out the like brutal injuries for a minute here because Julian dealt with them too. Mm-hmm. But the idea is just he needs to stop with this, you know, um, almost like hypothetical. Um, you know, if the team was this and if the team was that, because yeah. you have this team, like, make it work. Yeah. Can I, like, you know, I, I don't know why I just got the urge. Like, where's Paul Byron? Like, I don't know. I have no like, idea what, what his is, injury like, what is. is. What is what is wrong with him every year? I have absolutely no idea. I feel like he plays, like, a stretch of three games. He's like, see you next year, folks. Honestly. <laughs> and then he cashes in his check. Yeah, like, I, I don't understand. Like, he, he's really battered. It's pretty rough. But let's hope Gallagher... Um... Well, right, it was hip surgery. Okay, but, you know, 
sucks. But, you know, hope at least Gallagher, they're saying it's a lower body injury because if it was his wrist again, I'd be uh, yeah, honestly. too happy. So that, that sums up the 10 games. Now, I just we have on the board here as well, just kind of over those 10 games, um, just a couple of team stats. So the Canadians are 2-8-0. Um, also, one thing I noticed is Canadians are not going to overtime, which we know they go to overtime <laughs> a lot. Yeah. So we're not getting those extra well, points. Last year, what did we have on a fifty-six game season? We had like eleven overtime. Something like that. Yeah. yeah, we went we went almost a quarter of the season to overtime. Yeah. So we ten games in, we have four points. Yeah, we have four points, and we're thirtieth <laughs> in the league, mind you. This has Seattle, so there's thirty-two. So thirtieth yeah. is just a little better this yeah. year. Um, in terms of goals for, we score one point nine goals a game. That's 29th in the league. Goals against, 3.4 against, that's 28th in the league. And just for those who would be confused, 28th in the league in terms of the lower the worst still. So we let in a lot of goals per game. Um, our shots for, we're 31st in the league, 27 per game, so we're not shooting. We're about middle of the pack for shots against of 31. But the key for me is that we're allowing 31 and taking 27. So we're constantly, you know, kind of behind uh our power play is 29th in the league at 11.1 percent our penalty kill which is the big surprise for me is 30th in the league at 65 percent our face-offs are 32nd in the league we are dead last uh 43.8 percent that is a bad one that's brutal and like philip dano that's where he must be laughing yeah. we are the last place team in terms of face-offs our goal leader currently is Mike Hoffman, four goals in seven games, which is fantastic. And then our point leader is Jonathan Druin with seven points in ten games. So, very few people are doing their job. Yeah, The very people few who people. are, are doing their job. But, you know, as of right now, Cole Caulfield's been sent down to Laval. We've called up someone of equivalent talent in Michael Pizzetta and Alex I'm Bezil. Happy about, I'm happy about Pizzetta. I know, Bezil but all of a sudden the entire bruiser line is yeah. going to, like our, our fourth line is really looking like it's going to be, oh, yeah, when, yeah. He, when he comes back from suspension, Paquette, Belzil, and uh, yeah. Pizzetta. I think Pizzetta is more of a replacement for Gallagher. I don't think we're really replacing Caulfield, to be honest with you. But, yeah, no, no, I'm obviously um, kidding, but, yeah. um, but still. How do you feel about the Caulfield being sent down? I'm okay with it in the sense of he was playing on the third line. As, as we've mentioned before, um, if you're a guy like that, you need to be playing top, top six minutes. And so, you know, he's going to go to Laval. He's going to play the first line probably with Ryan Paling. Um, the minute he scores, they're going to bring him back up. But you know, I wouldn't. No. I, I think that's the plan for him. I think they want him gone as little as possible. I think they just want to kind of uh, you know, give him a jump. Get his, you know, his his basically his little grip looser on the stick. Just get him goal scoring. You know, maybe they'll give him like two, three games, and he'll score all three games, and then they'll pull him up. You yeah. know what I mean? Once he shows that he's, uh, you know, he's he's kind of in Guys full form, yeah. and they'll pull him up. But I just, I he's got to get off of the bottom six. What I would do with Caulfield, I agree with you. He's he he can't be in the bottom six, and I've kind of changed my tune. I think earlier on in the season when you know it was clear he was struggling four or five games in. You know, I kind of said, you know, Caulfield isn't a guy that you develop in the HL, you develop in the NHL, but, you know, that's in kind of a situation where you're, your team's not in a free fall here. And, and you don't want these young guys who bring so much energy to the team kind of, you know, taking that blow of, of the team's struggles and kind of manifesting that long-term, like Ali Galchenyuk. Um, you know, I can name so many players that were like this, but anyway... 
Um, I think what's best for Cole Caulfield right now, and I think what, what they're going to do is they're going to give him a good stretch in Laval. Um, not quite a Ryan Paling level thing, um, but kind of, I hope it's sort of like a Max Pacioretty thing. So like I was reflecting this morning on how Max Pacioretty was developed because to be honest with you, that's like probably one of the only offensive weapons I think the Montreal Canadiens have properly developed in recent time. Um, and what they did with him was they gave him good stretches in Laval, brought him up, well, not Laval, in Hamilton, I guess, um, you know, sent him to Hamilton, brought him back for games, sent him back, but for stretches, not like, you know, till you get a goal or two. Like, they sent him, I think he played something like uh, almost 100 games in Hamilton or something so, like, like that. Was it Hamilton, or were they still St. John's at that point? I think they were Hamilton. Yeah, yeah I think that's crazy. That's how long ago it yeah. is. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, double-check that. But yeah, I'm going to look it up. I think it was Hamilton. Anyway, the... You know, I think Caulfield, you know, if he scores in the in the AHL, I think it's it's a goal thing, but I also think he should get a good, you know, like, you know, I'm going to say, you know, 20, 25 games in, in the AHL, like really, really develop his play, uh, play with Ryan Paling, because, you know, Paling will be an NHLer. Um, I, I, I really do like what they're doing with Paling in the AHL. I think he's almost due. Like, I think he's he's about to kind of be brought to that next level. Because uh, he's played quite a few games there, but I th- I really think Caulfield can can learn a lot from that team, and especially since, um, you know, th- they're really going to give him what he needs, which is which is power play time, you know, get his get his grip on the stick and 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 do what he's supposed to do on the power play, and you know, just get some goals in and and get that confidence back because you know, like you said, keeping him on the bottom six playing with Cedric Paquette and, and Metsir Perrault, like this is not developing the guy and I'm, I'm really terrified for a Galchenyuk situation or even worse, like a Sherback situation. Yeah. Um, obviously the, there's a lot of it, that there's a talent, you know, part of that function where like Sherback I just think didn't have anyway, but still, I mean, like I don't think we could have given Sher- and to keep Sherback a worse environment to develop in. Um, well, and I, I hope it. they're really changing that with Caulfield. That's it, right? And you, you were right. It was Hamilton Bulldogs for uh, Patretti. But, um, no, with the thing that I think the mo- that's most important with Cole Caulfield is he's kind of being given this back and forth of you're the guy, and then the minute he's not, they just lose all faith in him too, which is something the Habs are typical of doing with their development, which is why I agree with you. I hope they're having a bit of a change here. But putting him on a line, for example, I think the past few games he played with Toffoli and Perot, right? So not only are they reducing his ice time and not playing him with Suzuki, which is where he belongs, but they're also putting Toffoli out there to be like, we don't know 100% if you're going to score, so we're going to put our leading goal scorer from last year. Um, Perot, I still like, I, I, I like him. He's not supposed to be a middle six centerman. And the big thing for me is just Caulfield, like you said, I do agree he can be developed in Laval. You know, we've talked a lot about how there's certain play types that should be in the AHL to the NHL. But I think what this really comes down to with Caulfield, because we have seen what he can do in the NHL as of last year, he needs minutes and he just needs to be shooting. When he goes to Laval, I think the answer should just be you just shoot as much as humanly possible. Yeah. Just shoot the puck. Like, I want him to wake up. The big thing is, like, that's the whole team. I want them all to wake up. And ensure he gets, you know, 16 to 19 minutes of ice time per game. Yeah, per at game. least. And, like, really, really push him. And I, you know, the the thing with, you know, this unfortunate circumstance is, while I agree with you that he needs to play with Suzuki or he needs to play with a Dvorak or just anyone in our top six and not kind of dip below those, you know, top nine forward, top six forwards, 
Um, you know, I, I think the team right now has to come first. And Cole Caulfield on the first line, getting those minutes with Nick Suzuki, we are not going to win hockey games with the way that he's playing. And it, unfortunately, it happens with kind of these one-dimensional players where, like, if they're not doing their job, they're doing literally nothing. Yeah. And, like, it's, um, you know, it, it's kind of like when, when, you know, at least a couple of years ago, like when Gallagher was 25, 26, and, you know, he was really just breaking out as a goal scorer, um, you know, not bringing much else. Like when he wasn't scoring, like he's not doing much. Gallagher since has obviously, you know, developed his back check a lot, and I really like that part of his play, but Caulfield doesn't have that right now. And he's like, you know, a lot of people say, you know what, he's not he's not that bad defensively. Like he he's very bad defensively. Like he, he's a terrible defensive player, and that's fine because that's not his game. I don't care. Like I'm not going to, you know, I, I try to – you know, take that into context too. When I criticize Jonathan Druin, for example, it's like that's not why we have Jonathan Druin. Like no, I, exactly. you know, I, I it bugs me sometimes when he gets lazy. But you know, going back to Cole Caulfield, like he just does not have that kind of IQ defensively. He doesn't know, um, you know, kind of like that Dano level intelligence of like where he should be in relation to you know where the where the uh, where the offense is, um, who he should be covering, what the zone coverage looks like. He just he's not comfortable in that situation. So like when he can't release the puck, um, playing those minutes up against those matchups, um, I, it's really just not a good place for him on the team. And like if he can't be in the bottom six, but he's too much of a liability in the top six, um, that means you got to get sent down to Laval and kind of get your game back. Yeah, and I think that's just what it comes down to, and that's why I don't think we'll see him gone for long. But there's a couple guys who could benefit, I'm honestly. Gonna say, I'm going to say a, ra- a pretty big range, but I'm going to say 15 to 25 games. Yeah, I think it's going to be under 10. I think yeah. he goes, like, I wouldn't be surprised if it was 3, to be barring, honest. Barring more injuries. Like, yeah, if no, we, I, I if think injury lose, or not. If we, lose like a, if we lose, like, a Hoffman or if we lose, like, a Toffoli, obviously that's going to really change things. And they're going to have to bring him back yeah, up no, right away. Yeah, no, of course, but that goes without saying. Like, yeah. if no one's going to call you on that if... Yeah. Uh, Toffoli goes down, and they have to put, pick between Caulfield and Harvey Pinard. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I do think this is going to be very short-lived. I wouldn't be, like, my my ballpark would be three to five, honestly. I, yeah, I, I think they don't want to keep him down there long. I, I want to, I, like, I hope that he's down there for 15 to 20 games, um, and I want to predict that because I, I, I want to kind of have faith in management right now, but... I really would not be surprised if, like, the minute he scores a goal, he's back up, yeah. and then he'll. I almost guarantee you, he'll go back into a lull yeah. because, like, you, you, it, it doesn't. It's not. It's not like a, you know, I scored a goal, all good now. Yeah. You know what now, I mean? it's like if that's what he needs, though, and it works, then it works. But it doesn't mean that that's a tried and true method. That's yeah, I think important that it might work this one time, but the idea is like he can't always have a, uh, you know, like we were talking about. He does have a typically slow start to his seasons. But not this slow. Like, I was talking a few games, you know, in a 30-game season in uh, in college, the first four were a little slow. No, and, and the thing is... But though, now this is not good. We have to look at it from a team perspective, too. Um, I don't know if if this was his, his uh, you know, his template to his game. I don't know if I'd want him on the team. Yeah. <laughs> like, if he, if he goes the first 10% of the season playing absolutely abysmally and then kind of goes off... Like, I don't know if that's a, a, a recipe for winning. Like, I, I don't know if I can play this guy 18, 18 minutes a game for the first 10 to 15 games, and he plays, yeah. like, absolute shit. Well, that's it. It's, like, it's hard, and I, I think that as, obviously, the years go by, he's going to be more 
accustomed to the NHL. Streaky players just don't win. But that's it. He's he's got to find his consistency, and so does the rest of the team. The only player right now who's got any form of consistency to his game is Jonathan Drew. Yeah. I mean, I'd say Mike Hoffman. Yeah, Mike Hoffman. But Mike Hoffman, it's just just small sample size because he missed the first few games. And he's doing his job, but I just don't know if, like, that's... I would call that, like, I don't think he's going to have... You know, four goals in seven games. What does that go? I mean, it's a small. It's seven games. Though. Yeah. It's not no, like he's I just played few like, games. Yeah. Like he's played three games less than everyone else. I, I think Mike Hoffman's. You know, Mike Hoffman and Druin are basically the. the I mean, he's not going to get forty-seven goals this year. No, no, that's what I mean. Oh, like, small sample size in general this season. Yeah, like, I, mean, like, I didn't think. I didn't think he's going to remain consistent. Yeah. But for example, I could see Druin staying at that 0. .7 points per game this season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that would be obviously a great season for yeah, Druin. Yeah, will be a career um, year. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, I you know we can also extrapolate that out from Mathieu Perot. I don't. I yeah, don't know. exactly. I don't think he's gonna <laughs> score that many goals. That's, no, you know, puts him on pace for a forty goal season. But yeah, Jesus um, Christ. You know, I and 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 contrary to that, I don't think Jeff Petrie you know is gonna have eight points this year. Like, I, right. I, I don't realistically think that is. It's obviously gonna be an off year for him, but um, you know, I, I think going forward, you know, I, I recently in practice we saw a, a Druin. Anderson and Hoffman line that's going to be showcased tonight against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, you know, I obviously have a ton to say about that. I mean, I'm going to comment more on that, you know, after the game. Yeah. Um, you know, watching that game is going to be a better indicator than actually just speculating on it. But, you know, I already don't know I'm not going to like Druin for the, like, aforementioned reasons. I mean, he's, he's very bad defensively. Yeah, why are they putting him back at center? Because like uh, I'm getting such shades of 2017 only, or 16, yeah, whatever it was. It's because there's only so many ways you can shake up the wings. This I know. is the thing. It's like when you have your centermen that they're dedicated to, there's only so many ways that you can you know mix and match left and right wingers to the point where you know we're at we're at this point now where we're starting to have to shuffle the centers, and that's like not a good got not a good look for the team. And and again, we know who's doing that, and I still think this is someone who needs to be severely considered yeah and and you know jonathan druin um you know similar to cole caulfield much better obviously because he's a, he's a lot older but he does not possess that centerman iq in our defensive zone like he he will not be winger. able to yeah he's a winner <laughs> it's like, that it's like, like sam montembo is probably a horrible centerman as well yeah it's you know it, it's sort of like how you know you, you need to be defensive as a center like you you can't have this you know, unidimensional aspect to your game unless you're going to score 45 goals. And Jonathan Druin's not scoring 45 goals, um, so he, he needs to play defensively, but he's at that point now where he's, what, 26, 27? 26. You know, it's almost too late to develop that aspect of his game, and I, I don't think it's worth it because if we start developing that aspect of his game now, we'll maybe get him an NHL-quality, you know, two-way centerman at maybe 29-30. Yeah, I mean, and like that's not what we need Jonathan Druin for. Yes, like, I also what are we don't want to exactly. I was gonna say too, like this is. But Perot's injured you didn't, too, so like you what didn't are we trade Sergachev for a middle middle six defensively minded centerman. But what I would do is bring Paling up because yeah. Perot can't play center right now as he's injured. But again, what do you do? Who do you play Caulfield with? <laughs> that's the thing. Is it's at least down there? There's a couple of young centermen who need time, like a Cam Hillis, who's yeah. a playmaker. But we we need it. We need. Caulfield to be in, a, in an environment where he's, he's playing with, playing with a, an NHLer yeah. who can actually support him and help him grow. I, yeah. I think with a Cam Hillis, for example, Caulfield would more be helping him develop. Probably, yeah. realistically speaking. 
But the other thing, too, is this is where you start looking at the free agent pool, and Eric Stahl's still Take there. Eric, what the Just fuck bring are him we back. doing? It's like no one wants him. Like Eric Stahl, come yeah. on. Like, <laughs> Eric Stahl or Cedric Paquette, where like, I haven't even commented on his boarding call, which, like, yeah. to be fair, yeah, that, wasn't, that was not yeah. a two-game suspension. No, because okay? at the last second, if you turn your back to a hit... No, and look, the only reason... I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna put on my my tinfoil hat here. The only reason they called that a two game suspension is because it's Trevor Zegers. Okay, if that yeah. was not Trevor Zegers, that was Nicola Delorier. All you'd no. have is a corrected spine. And if Zegers got up, which he did, two like a minute later, yeah. Uh, if he if he just bounced off the boards, that would not have been a penalty. No, and it would not have been a misconduct, and it wouldn't have been two games. And obviously, it's not it's not diving by any sense. Zegers no. is just a small guy. Yeah, but it's and still, it's, it's just like, you. If you watch the play. He's taking the hit on his hip, and at the last second, pivots his back to Paquette, which ends up just making it look so much worse. And so the only thing is, though, rough. is I will say is it was it was definitely a penalty. Yes. It's just it wasn't two games because I rewatched the play about a hundred times, and like for some, I don't know what Trevor's viewers did to Cedric Paquette. Okay, and like I'm talking in the game or before yeah. the game, but. For some reason, Cedric Paquette thought it would be a good idea to glide in from the ringette line That's directly it. at Zegris and did not change his direction. That's the thing I was going to say. Like, it's not so he much clearly the... clearly went to him. Yeah, it was, he was... That's why I would say it was charging up board. It looked a lot, like, obviously much different result, but it looked Shifley. a lot like Shifley. Yeah. Like, where it was just like he didn't change his course at all. He yeah. didn't try to course correct, and he's like, you know what? I'm going to hit him right here, no matter what, if he pivots... You know, and, and yeah. that was kind of a stupid play, but way to set the tone for the team. Honestly, like, what yeah. a stupid play. It was just not smart, and now we're down. Then you have David Savard's gaff behind our net. <laughs> I was like, but if this guy could not play worse, if this guy could play worse, I was literally going to swallow a quarter. <laughs> and, like, he managed to do it. I, I've never seen a gaff like that behind our net. It looked a lot like uh, Joel Edmondson's pass to yeah, Petrie last his, playoffs. That, that perfect pass to... Uh... Who was it that scored? Was it Pilat? It was like Pointer Pilat or something. Yeah, that just like perfect back pass. Yeah, and, and but David Savard, uh, there's no one there. No. So that, that happened. But um, yeah, anyway. Yeah, like there's there's a lot, obviously, that's uh, there's a lot. I think that the overarching theme is people need to kind of step up and, and wake up. And the big, big, big part is we need to get an identity back on this team. We had it for about three weeks in the playoffs. And then we've moved away from it again. We're now all of a sudden with this like ragtag group of like hockey players that don't really have a goal. Like a group of mercenaries. Well, like it, everyone's just, on a different page. That's it. It's like nobody has, you know, like like any any set roles, and nobody has any set partners. And it's just this is just like not... who's on our penalty kill. Exactly, I couldn't tell you. Like honestly, you, you could you could name players who are playing on the penalty kill. Yeah. But like, what's our first? PK line. I have no idea. Because there I would is assume none. Suzuki. Because there's none. Yeah. No, it's not. There but you la- go. last game it was it was Paquette and Lekanen. Well, there you go. You know what I mean? It's like you should have player because obviously in the PK the guy who was on the PK couldn't get a penalty, right? Yeah. So you obviously have players that you can sub in, and that's like the Armias, and that's like oh. those kind of guys, the Suzuki's at center. But you know, penalty kill, power play, like there's nothing here that I see is being set and developed. So, like, when you're struggling like this, for example, on the power play, okay, when you struggle for five games, you don't just shuffle the power play line and look for something to work. You take the power play line, because they've been working together for the last two months. You change the strategy. And you say, like, guys, this is what we're doing wrong. Let's try to fix it. And then, yeah, you know, maybe around Christmas time, if there's, you know, a guy, like, if there's a a black sheep on on, on the ice who's clearly gaffing all the time, like, yeah, sell them out. Okay, but you don't just do this by 
essentially like who's playing hot tonight because one no one is yeah but two it breeds no chemistry and you don't have that sort of like um um drew and anderson situation that we saw in the preseason where you know you start to build up chemistry and you start to know where these guys are on the ice and that's what yeah. you need on the power well play. it's again like on the power play for example i look at other teams with high success rates with the no look passes it's yeah because they know like telepathically where that guy well, is. That was, and i was gonna say like how many times have you seen a pass on the tampa bay lightning where you go oh wow how did he know he was there or like how did he even think to put it there it's like these guys don't move like yeah. stamkos plays that spot Kucherov plays that spot. Hedman is on the point that, like, these guys don't have their, like, ice time in question because they're having a down period, you know? It's it's insane. Like, it drives me. There's certain guys. That's why the passes are so fast, too. It's because they don't have to think about it. It's bang, bang. It's it's, it's muscle. They're not even. They are. They are. They do it every practice. So I was like, take a team like Washington. If you're on the power play, you know where you are on the ice. If you throw it to the top circle, who's there? Yeah. You just know he's standing there. That the guy who the guy fucking who, Russian uh, who scores every night <laughs> that I wish I had on my team. He's a hundred years uh, old. The guy who just only last night broke his nine game point streak. Yeah, like, he's uh, the same age as our our old guy, except he doesn't have any foot surgery. Oh, he's he's marginally behind us in points, and I mean us yeah. as in the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, he he's second in the league in points right now. Yeah. Alexander Ovechkin, by the way, for those who it's, uh, haven't picked you know, up it's, yet. It's very frustrating, and, and you know, the, the power play and the penalty kill, that needs to be set in stone. And I realize like we don't have a good penalty kill center option right now, um, unless we want to play Dvorak for uh, 40 minutes a game with Which our penalties. Have to. Because this is an issue, too. It's like the reason they're, they're playing Cedric Paquette there as of late and not Suzuki or Dvorak is because we get like 10 fucking penalties a game. I know. It's like, we can't play them that long. It's 20 minutes of, of penalty kill. I know. You know? That's that. That's what I was going to come down to is I didn't put it on the board, but I believe in terms of penalty minutes per night, we're very close to the top of the league. Well, if you go look at the Anaheim thing... I'm going to take a look now. Okay, I think in the first period alone, I think we had five penalties. And, like, yeah. that might sound like an over-exaggeration, and it might be because... Um, that's ten. That's half the period on the penalty kill. But I actually think we had four or five penalties in the first period against the Ducks. It also doesn't help that uh, we kind of breed this in our AHL system because uh, I, I was just checking for stats on paling from for earlier. But uh, a couple nights ago, there was a hundred penalty minutes dished out in the game against the Marlies, and it was like no problem. They just called it a normal game. Yeah, the good news is, is we should go watch a Laval game soon. Yeah, I think we're going to do that. Will be there, and that you can buy that for essentially a, a nickel. Yeah. Um, as of right now, the Montreal Canadiens. I gotta find this. Where Check is the it? Anaheim game first, because I'm actually curious. That game was like I clearly there was frustration on the ice. Yeah. Um, but like, we need to kind of have that stoic Tampa Bay. The Canadians took six penalties that night. Six. How many in the first period, though? Oh, in the first period, just a minute. Like I said six in the first period. Oh, no, 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 totally. In the first period, there was one, two, three, four, five. Of... See, so I was not exaggerating. Yeah. Oh, wait, no, sorry. There was more because uh, if you count... Oh, no, sorry. It's Kulak for a minor, Paquette for a boarding. Then he got the misconduct as well, but also a roughing call. So that was three in one play. Okay. And then Lekkanen took one. So really, it was like three, but there was a... Uh, five, fifteen, seventeen-minute penalty to Paquette. <laughs> um, looking though at the Habs for one second here in terms of penalties per game, uh, we take 
10.2 penalty minutes per game. So we get five penalties a game. That puts us in the bottom 10% of the league. Yeah. Uh, 33% of the league. Sorry. And again, these aren't quality penalties. And what I mean no. by that is we're not, you know, we're not a... Uh, they're not you know, smart penalties where we're not it's preventing a, a goal. Guy's feet on yeah, a you're not you're not preventing a goal. You're no. preventing our. Ha- I've seen at least twice already this year that we take a penalty on our power play. Yeah. So we we kill our power plays oh, better yeah. than we kill their power against plays. against the Anaheim Ducks, the Montreal or was the, no, it was the Ducks actually. We managed to give one of the best chances I think I've ever seen to a guy who was open in front of Montembeau, but we were on the power play. Yeah. Exactly. So that the puck popped out of our corner. <laughs> And I, I think it went to Henrique. Okay. And for some reason, he had a no one around him slot chance against Montembeau. Oh, and like we, I was like, he's on the power play right now. Yeah. Um, like we coughed it up from the corner. It's just, <laughs> okay, well, look. Um, Cheap tickets this year, at least. Yeah. But honestly, they won't be. They won't be. They'll be more expensive. <laughs> I think that my blood pressure is significantly higher than when we started. Which is normally the sign for us to stop. <laughs> yeah, because I'll just start... Uh, I'll just keel over. I'll, no, I'll, start, I'll keel over, but I'll also start personally attacking players. And yeah. I don't want to start doing that, but you know, hopefully Michael P- Michael Pizzetta is going to be shot out of a cannon tonight. Yeah. I guarantee you. I, I would be surprised if Michael Pizzetta gets a 20-game suspension in the first minute. Yeah, well, that makes... <laughs> that that would be right on he's par. Gonna, he, he's going he's gonna to board Larkin like you've never seen. He's yeah. going to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so uh, we will if obviously. If Michael Pizzetta is listening, I absolutely adore you. Like yeah. honestly, like I, you and you and and Rafi Harvey Pinard, like if you guys are not on the team in two years, like we riot. You are our, our identity. <laughs> like you are Gallagher two point yeah. Both of you, okay. Yeah. Both of you, but like you somehow have a much higher cap. That's a player we can try and get on this on this podcast. Like just Hard. like he he's he's around our age too. Yeah. And he's got, he's got a, he's got wicked lettuce too. Yeah, have you seen his lettuce? Yes. Yeah, so Holy yeah. shit! What a what a if he grows a beard, he won't look like a child. But <laughs> okay, yeah. I'm one to talk laughing. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I'm gonna leave it here. We'll basically have our normal podcasts up. Um, take a look for our Instagram. We're also gonna be reaching out to a couple people. Anyone who is in sports journalism we're uh we're trying to start branch out a little to you guys as well uh but yeah so we're gonna do something like this though every eight games or so from now on but uh we'll catch you guys on a regular podcast as well thank you for listening to the habs puck drop podcast you can email us your thoughts questions and suggestions through our email at habspuckdrop at gmail.com or direct message us on instagram at habspuckdrop We'll see you next time.